it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. Welcome to the Wednesday morning edition of the Out of Bounds podcast. Josh Durso and Nate Sharman here getting you ready for the PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. We've been on the course for the last two days and we'll be heading out there shortly to watch the final leg of practice rounds before the second major of the 2023 season officially gets underway. Uh, Nate, wow, what a venue and what a week for professional golf. Yeah, for one word to put in Oak Hill is immaculate, right? It's just unbelievable how how well groomed they did. The grounds the grounds crew there just just an amazing job getting that course ready for the for this PGA Championship. So I would use the word relentless. I'd use immaculate, right? It's just going to be a really good test of golf for these players in this year's second major. And I'm really really excited to uh, continue watching this event here in Rochester. It's incredible. And really, in a lot of ways, we've seen two different golf courses, right? We've seen uh, the the version that was presenting uh, to players on Monday. Uh, and then we saw the version that was presenting to players yesterday with uh, an underrated amount of wind. Uh, right. What stands out to you two days in here, uh, walking the golf course uh, in terms of course setup? Yeah, I think the green complexes really stand out to me the most. I know I think if you ask a lot of people, they're going to talk about the rough and how luscious that is. Yep. Uh, we'll get to a little bit more of that. But I, I just think the green complexes are just stunning. You know, I was here back in 2013 as a 16-year-old when, when Jason Duffner won. And, you know, I remember seeing, you know, great green complexes and, and thinking back to that. But these are even more incredible. You know, they brought in Andrew Green, a course architect, a few years ago to help kind of restore what Oak Hill had when it got, when it got created that Donald Ross design. And he just kind of smacked the ball out of the park, right? Some of these green complexes are just incredible. You know, they have, they, a lot of these different holes have false fronts on them where your ball could roll 30 or 40 yards off the front of the green. If, if it ends up in the wrong spot, you know, the bunkering around the greens is just magnificent too. You know, I've joked around with you and a couple other people that if I got stuck in a few of those bunkers, you know, I'd be making a 10 on the hole. So it's just really incredible to me to see where, you know, these bunkering around these greens and just how it looks to the eye and how dangerous it could be to these players if, if they get in the wrong spots. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out to me is, uh, you know, you and I were talking about the rough. Um, yep. and, and I've got some thoughts on that, on why they may have set that up. We'll talk more about that later. I don't um, think it's crazy but, long, in my opinion. Right. You know? No, it's it's just very it's very dense. It's very thick. Right. Luscious, and yep. um, we've seen plenty of uh, golf balls. Um, you know, I was I was talking to a couple spotters for quite a while yesterday, and um, the number of golf balls that are just nestling um, really showcases what they've done with the rough. It's not that long, um, actually. If you're when you're walking through it, walking by it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of like on the shorter side for what these guys are actually accustomed to, especially in uh, events like the PGA Championship or or even a U.S. Open. Um, that said, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head here with with the green complexes. Like the surrounds of these greens is just maddening. Um, and uh, elevation. This golf course has some sneaky elevation. And oh, when I, for a reason, I would say. Yeah. And and <laughs> when we look at um how the course is set up 
and how it relates to scoring, I think these par threes are going to be absolutely just so important for players to uh, to to play well and survive, basically, right? Um, you've got number three playing it, uh, I believe, around 245 yards or 230 yards uh, to uh, uh, one of these green complexes that is just uh, astounding in every way. Um, you've got a ton of bunkering. You've got elevation. You've got a drop off in the back. Like it's, you've got it all. Um, and then number eleven with a little bit of wind introduced. I watched about three groups yesterday. Eleven is crazy. Just get punished. I mean, it is a very long par three uh, with a wide open surround, which just creates, even yesterday, there was yesterday morning when I was watching, there wasn't a ton of wind, but there was probably a, a steady 15 mile an hour breeze. Right. And these groups, these guys were consistently leaving 10, 15, 20, 25 yards short. Um, so that I think is kind of the most, to me, that's the biggest takeaway about how they've set up this course these par threes have teeth big time. Right. Oh yeah. We sat on number 11 tee box for a while on Monday, Monday afternoon. And there was a good amount of wind coming in, you know, playing 245. I think it was Brandon Wu, a couple of, and during his practice round, he stung two, three woods um, from that tee box. And he was short on both of them. A player before him, I, I, I'm struggling to remember his name right now. He hit his two iron right on the front of the green, which was pretty cool to watch the, you know, the pros hit those low irons like that and just yeah. sting them through the wind. So I, I really like that idea that you put, you know, you put it in the out of bounds article last night on, on the website, you know, just how important these par three scoring is going to be. And, you know, you take a look at the final group, you know, on Sunday and, and who's on that, you know, top 20 leaderboard, you take a look at par three scoring. I would be really, really would believe that the winner is going to be the, the best on the par threes this week, because that's just going to be so important. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to be able to contend because, you know, you look at even some of the shorter par threes, uh, you know, we sat at 15 for, you know, how long yesterday? Um, right. 25, 30 minutes. We watched a few groups go through. And if you're out of position, getting up and down is is difficult. Oh, and yeah. that that's one of the shortest par threes on the course. 15 so, has that big runoff area where you're underneath the green. You know, you're chipping yeah. up off off a tight lie to a pin to, to a pin that could be, you know, uh, you know, a couple paces off the side of the green and then it goes downhill right away into a bunker. So it's just, it's really tricky and, and you're really going to take some discipline for these players kind of hit to the right spot and, and play a little bit of target golf, especially on these par threes to really stay out of your trouble. You know, threes on these par threes is a great score in my opinion. Yeah. And we're definitely going to talk more about scoring um, here in a few minutes, but when you look at what's going to be most important, for players uh, or whoever becomes the eventual winner of this 2023 PGA championship, what is the biggest factor? What's the most important thing for players to keep in mind if they're going to win? To me, it's discipline. You know, you get, if you get out of position on your tee ball, you know, whether you be in the rough or you be at a bad angle to a pin, it's just, you know, being able to tell yourself that, you know, I can hit this ball to the middle of the green and a two putt, whether it be a par or a bogey and get out of there and, you know, avoid these bigger numbers, right? Because I think if you try to get heroic, whether you be in the rough or to a really, you know, a tight pin near some bunkering and stuff like that, things can really go south for a player. So I think if you, maybe you did it in the rough and you get a bad lie, you might have to kind of not play to the green, right? Play short of the green and, and try to make your four or five. And if you make a bogey, that's okay. You know, it, you know, it's somewhere where you can get it back or even, a lot of players are going to be playing for that, you know, the par. So they make make a bogey on a couple of different holes where you're out of position, say your angle or or in the rough is going to be really important. So I think being able to kind of 
tell yourself that and and know that you don't have to go out here and birdie nine holes. You know, you don't have to do that. You know, you can make a couple, make five or six birdies and make a couple bogeys. And that's a really solid round at the Oak Hill East course. So I think just being disciplined about your approach to Oak Hill is going to be really important. And I think whoever can kind of weather the storm, so to speak, can uh, really have a good chance to take away this tournament. Yeah, I think after watching yesterday, um, it's take what the golf course gives you. That Yes, that's very important. Um, because, you know, one of the things that was kind of, it was a bit of a surprise to me watching professionals go through this thing where I think a lot of like a lot of the the average golfers also go through where, you know, you hit a you, you hit a shot and you're kind of surprised about what happened, where it went. Or maybe the wind was a little bit like yesterday. Wind was it like so right. there were a few times I watched uh, these guys hit tee shots, use number 11 as an example. And then come up way short, throw another ball down and hit the same club. And the same result again. Right. And even a couple of players gave kind of like the, they looked at their caddy or they looked at they were playing with and they would mouth something like, wow, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it was, it was one of those things. We've all, we've all felt that, right? Like you hit a shot and you're, you're certain that, you know, you've kind of, you figured everything out and you flush it and it's just not what you expected. Um, and I, I think listening to uh, the golf course and taking what the golf course gives you and really, uh, not letting the the ego run away uh, with these guys. Whoever wins is going to be the one who keeps that in check uh, and takes what the golf course gives them this weekend. I like that idea. You know, we've, we've seen some press conferences the last couple of days. We got a couple more on tap today. I think Scheffler and is getting ready for his this afternoon as well as Dustin Johnson. Let's talk a little bit about Monday, Tuesday press conferences. We had Rom, um, Rom, Scheffler, I, Rory went and he told Scheffler's tomorrow. I'm sorry, but it's really interesting to, to hear these guys talk about this golf tournament. Uh, what's kind of stood out for you so far, so far when these big guys are talking to the media? I, you know what? I think the big thing for me is I, and you've honed in really well on the players. Um, you know, I've been, I've been watching a little bit more on kind of the organizational side, uh, PGA of America, CEO, Seth Waugh, obviously um, had his press conference yesterday. I don't know what the future of the PGA championship is at Oak Hill. And I frankly, yeah, I frankly am not sure that it is going to continue being in the rotation. I feel more confident about that now than I did even just a couple days ago. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, was comments were pretty telling in terms of, um, not really giving anything away, but also, not ruling anything out. So, you know, they said, we haven't even hit a shot yet. Uh, let's give it, give it a week. We'll come back after the event and we'll talk to the course. We'll see what the course wants to do. That was one of the things that he said that I thought was really telling and really interesting. Um, and you know, the why I think in a lot of ways this weekend, um, is a PGA of America sanctioned tryout for the U S open. Um, meaning Oak Hill is, and we see it with course setup, right? Like this course is set up kind of like a hybrid between a U.S. Open and a PGA Championship, especially yeah. what the PGA Championship has uh, started to become over the last few years, a, a more difficult test of golf. Not quite a U.S. Open, but close. Uh, and, you know, given the fact that for the last 30 or so years, um, the PGA Championship has just been a bunch of uh, U.S. Open has been golf courses. Um 
the PGA of America clearly wants to take this event a different direction. And I think that's awesome. But I think that is essentially given Oak Hill the green light to strut its stuff and right. show that it could host a U.S. Open. This Definitely. this golf course could host a U.S. Open again, and it has. Um, and I don't think the length is so much an issue, uh, especially if we're entering an era where uh, a golf ball is going to be introduced that shortens uh, that shortens these players. Right. It's playing so, at you know 7,400 yards this week at, at a par 70. That's no joke. Yeah. And look, like I, I think another really interesting thing here is we've talked about how how challenging and demanding uh, and punitive, frankly, this rough is going to be and how demanding it's going to be for players uh, to keep uh, the ball straight off the tee. There's room like there's still meat left on this bone. I wrote that in the article last night. Um, you know, the course could be made more challenging. Like definitely. this is this is definitely not as hard as it gets. So, you know, I think this is. I think this is a serious tryout for uh, Oak Hill to be considered uh, a U.S. Open uh, venue at some point in the next 10 to 15 years. I really do. Right. Yeah. I think the fairways are really what's going to make a guy that doesn't hit it that far really important. Because if they're, you know, you have a guy like maybe Joel Damon or Kevin Kisner, just to name a couple, you know, if yeah. they're going to be able to keep it straight off the tee, these fairways are firm. You know, it, you know, we haven't gotten a ton of rain in the last yep. seven to 10 days here in upstate New York. So these fairways are firm and they're fast. So if you can get the ball kind of on the fairway and matriculating down, it's really going to get some roll and run off that fairway, too. So I think Damon put it best, you know, in his interview with Dylan Dethier yesterday, just kind of talking about how anybody can win here. You know, we talk about how some of these bombers, right, have an advantage in some places, but maybe here at Oak Hill a little bit less. I still think bombers do have an advantage you know, everywhere they're going to play, they're going to have an advantage. But I think some of the shorter guys, you know, get that benefit because they're going to be able to keep the ball in the fairway and get some roll off of that. So I really do think Joel Damon's right with anybody can win here. But going back to your point, Josh, they really can do a lot in terms of if they want to have a U.S. Open, narrowing the fairways a little bit, maybe even making the green surrounds even a little more tougher and having a little bit of challenge. But it definitely is. I like that idea how it's kind of a tryout to see you know, especially with the PGA Championship being in May, you know, you never know what the weather's going to be like. So kind of having that that um, U.S. Open possibility in July, you're, you're guaranteed some good weather because it really is pretty nice up here in that, you know, July Father's Day time. So that would be really a, a better option for them in terms of weather. But we'll see what what's in store for the PGA. Yeah, and I think that that's another really great point that I, I did touch on in that article is like, you know, Oak Hill essentially achieved what it achieved this week, which is a perfect golf course or near perfect golf course. Right. I would say um, on a short calendar. And if we are talking about a tournament that's held another month later in the in the, the PGA tour season, then it's I, I think it's really primed for it. Um you sat through several player uh press conferences. What stood out to you uh from some of the guys we're gonna be playing this week? What stood out to me is just, you know, you had a couple different guys sort of dismiss, dismiss uh, live questions. You know, Liv's been really having a good season, in my opinion. You know, you get Dustin Johnson winning last week in a, in a playoff. Um, whether the CW cut it out on some some TVs is another story. But, you know, just they, they asked Rory, you know, if you had a crystal ball and, and just asked him to expand on live and. He dismissed that question pretty quickly. He said, I don't have a crystal ball, first of all. And, you know, just kind of gave a one word answer as as to no when asked about the live tour and just kind of had the unwillingness to kind of answer those questions. We've seen Rory, you know, throughout the last 
12 to 16 months on the PGA tour, be very welcoming to live questions, but just to see him, you know, really have that forward mindset of, you know, I have a golf tournament to win this week and just kind of not having to talk about live was, was interesting to me. Uh, John Rahm, they asked him a little bit about live as well. And he kind of took it a different direction. He was just kind of excited to see some of these guys, you know, like Dustin and, and Brooks Kepka, some of his friends, you know, he hasn't really seen much. He might've seen them a little bit at the masters, but, you know, just being able to play a practice round with them and kind of converse with them as well too. You know, Rom always has a way of spinning things in a positive light. Right. So, yeah. you know, it was just, it was, it was interesting to see how, you know, we might be entering a territory where live finds, you know, finds ground on the tour or on the, on the professional golf scope, excuse me. You know, that's something we could talk about at a later time, but um, it's, it's just really noteworthy to me, in my opinion, that, Guys don't have a ton to say about Liv right now, whether that be because they got a major championship to win this week or Liv is kind of pathwaying a different path for themselves is uh, something that we can look forward to here in the future. Look at. Yeah. I, yeah. And I also think there's an element of like, you know, especially after the masters with Liv guys really frankly showing up, um, mm-hmm. you know, too, Phil yeah. Brooks, uh, Patrick uh, Reed all played really well. You know, I think it kind of dismissed the notion that these guys were going to immediately fall off. You know, I think the next quote unquote debate is uh, involving Liv is how long some of these guys who are playing well, but maybe not um, not winning majors and also uh, not finishing high enough or playing enough other events to continue qualifying. You know, is there some sort of caveat where these guys are going to get special invites back, even though they don't qualify through the traditional means? And what what does right. that uh, do? But for now, I think Liv has carved its place out uh, in professional golf. And, you know, it's nice to see the guys just moving on from it and not really like entertaining a lot of these um, now silly questions about, uh, you know, Liv or what its place is or anything else like that. Let Let that sort itself out. Um, are we going to see Jordan Spieth this week? It seems to be the biggest question. Um, we've also got some, uh, prominent withdrawals over the last, uh, few days, uh, former winner, uh, here at Oak Hill, um, Jason Dufner not playing. What, uh, stands out to you about this Jordan Spieth situation? He's trying, it seems like he's trying to make it work. He he's here yeah, he's he's on the schedule. He is slated to play Thursday morning uh, with Shane Lowry and Victor Hovland. Um, so w- what do you see here? You know, it was really interesting to me because he comes out with that statement, with, what, a week ago or 10 days ago, where, where he says, you know, he's really, he really has an injured wrist and he, and he needs to take some rest to kind of get this figured out. You know, Jordan Spieth won the PGA, or looking to play in the PGA Championship, of course, you know, always shows up for the majors and plays very well. So I, I think it's going to be interesting, too, because Jordan Spieth came out yesterday. He got to you know, got to Rochester, I think, late Monday night. So he came out for his practice round on Tuesday. He went off the back nine, played number 10, and then he walked in. So we played one golf hole yesterday where, when, you know, we weren't told why he came in, you know, whether it was to do to that wrist or, or maybe it was even part of his, you know, plan, too. You know, you know, we don't really know that. It's right. going to be really interesting to see, though, because, you know, the rough, we, we talked so much about it. You know, you get into the rough and it's really more bothersome for the wrist, right? You have so much more resistance there when swinging at a golf club. I hope Jordan Spieth is able to play, you know, this, this entire tournament. It's just going to be really interesting going off early in the morning on Thursday, like you said, with Lowry and Hovland to see if Jordan can get going because he certainly is a fan favorite out there. Um, and we really need to love to have him too. So 
Hopefully Jordan can get going and get right. But um, really is kind of concerning for him to to pack it in after one hole yesterday during the practice round. Yeah, and the only I guess the only if I were going to try and put positive spin on it would be maybe he's trying to preserve that wrist if there is some kind of yeah. injury. It might have been the plan too. You know, we don't know that. So yeah, I mean, we saw him uh, on the range. He was hitting some balls on the range um, yesterday. So I mean there's some ability to hit the golf ball. Um, we also don't know the details of that wrist injury. So we don't know what is going to be most uh, difficult for him as he heads out playing in 35 to 40 degree weather will surely not be a benefit for that wrist. Um, we're probably going to be looking at a frost delay tomorrow morning. We'll see where that goes. Um, but let's get into uh, some of our expectations here for the actual tournament. Um, Winning score. What do you think the winning score is for this? Before we get into picks, what do you think that winning winning number might be? I've spent a lot of time thinking about the winning score and what I think will happen. You have a lot of people around O'Kill thinking this could be an over par championship. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think it's playing that difficult. Definitely it's playing difficult, but um, you don't really see over par a lot. You see it's some U.S. Opens, right, of course. But even last year at Southern Hills, that was playing pretty difficult. You know, just Thomas finishes at six under par to win that golf tournament. So I would really kind of feel it's going to be in that same range. You know, you, you've heard Justin Thomas talk that it feels a lot like Southern Hills. So I really like that, you know, four to seven under par range. You know, there's going to be really some some times where players are going to be tested. But I think if they're able to play with a game plan, right, and have good angles into these greens and, you know, play the right spots on the greens and, and take their medicine, like we said, be disciplined. I think they can really get under par in this golf tournament. So I'm looking at about four to seven under Josh. What do you think? I know you're kind of in a similar range. Uh, do you have a thought too? Yeah. So just in the last like 30 minutes, I guess I've kind of flip flopped on this. I was originally thinking it might trend a little bit lower than where you were, but I think it'll probably settle somewhere in the middle. So I'm going at minus six. I think about six under par is going to be where the winner winds up. Um, you know, I think the bigger the bigger debate question here is this uh, over under a half dozen guys under par. Oh, that's a good one. That's not one I've thought about. Um, probably under under par. You know, there's going to be a good amount of guys at even, I would think. But um, yeah, probably I would probably take under on or on, on a dozen guys being under par. Yeah, I'm I'm there. I think uh, under a half dozen is going to be the the oh, half area. dozen. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you'll get a half. I think you'll get you know somewhere in that six rate range of guys under par six to ten. Um, I just don't see it. I, I think that's where I like. If you're going half dozen, excuse me, I heard your question wrong. Then I would take the over there. You know, about a half dozen. So over over for Nate, under for Josh on a half dozen guys being under par when the dust settles on Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I just don't, I think there are going to be too many guys um, that come Sunday afternoon are trying to do a little too much to get the win. And I think that's going to drive scoring up. And I think you're going to see guys fall off. Um, could be a scenario too, where, you know, if somebody gets, you know, a, a two shot lead Sunday afternoon, right? Um, it's going to really change how guys in that top 10 have to play uh, coming down the stretch. A more aggressive, and right? Yeah. That could either be great or it could be terrible for their score. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, let's talk favorites. Nate, who is your favorite to win this weekend? 
Oh, it's, you can't pick against John Rahm, the Spaniard here in the second major. He's won the first major this year. He's playing some incredible golf. He's got four wins on the season. Um, I really kind of debated this one, too, a little bit in my mind. But then I just kind of sat down and thought, how can you pick against John Rahm, right, for the reasons I just said? So I'm going with the Spaniard to take his second major of the season and work towards that Grand Slam. Yeah, I think I'm going with Patrick Cantlay because uh, he's just been hanging around so much. And I, I think it's only a matter of time. And I think a golf course like this, um, you know, he takes a little bit of heat for being a slow player. But I think uh, at the end of the day, the careful, more thoughtful, uh, measured approach is definitely going to benefit him this weekend. Uh, and this guy that's been racking up top fives and top tens, I think he's going to get the first one right here. And he hasn't been super good in majors in his career um, as, you know, looking throughout his career and how good he's been in other events too. But now getting Joe Lacava on the bag, his first major with him, we know how successful he's been, especially with a guy like a guy like Tiger Woods. I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, getting Lacava on the bag and getting that experience, right, can only help Patrick Canley. So that's a great pick, Josh. I like that. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk dark horse to win. We don't normally do this, but since we've been walking the course, we've been seeing different guys actually uh, go through their their uh, process. Uh, who is your dark horse pick to win uh, this weekend? My dark horse pick isn't exactly like a guy way down the way down the list. I don't I don't think uh, the guy way down is going to win this tournament. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Tommy Fleetwood in that 55 to one range. Uh, Tommy's been playing well, um, just came off a, a good round last week. So I, I think, uh, you know, just watching him kind of go through his progressions, I was able to watch him for a couple holes yesterday. I, I think uh, Fleetwood and those luscious locks uh, can possibly get it done and help, hopefully springboard his PGA Tour career because, you know, he's played so well overseas and he's played well over in here in America, just can't really break through it and start that and jumpstart that career here on stateside. So I'm looking for Tommy to, you know, get in the winner's circle this weekend. Yeah. And, and you know what, for, uh, reasons that we've discussed at length here on the pod today, uh, I'm going with Jimmy Walker, uh, walked a few holes yesterday, watching him play. Um, he was playing alone, uh, and not a soul was following him. And that boy was dialed in. Um, he was hitting some golf shots and I know majors are different. Um, don't worry. He's got that experience. Uh, and, you know, he's he's a seasoned guy. And at the end of the day, you know, this is the major. If there's going to be a major where where somebody comes out of the woodwork and wins, uh, it's one like this. And we've, we've seen Jimmy play well uh, in recent weeks. Uh, he looked really good down in Hilton Head, um, of course. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens there. But he is my. I don't want to call him a long shot pick. He's very, very long shot in terms right. of the the betting oh, yeah. odds. Um, but guy that I'm kind of watching who's going to fly under the radar start of the week. Uh, if he has a good Thursday and Friday and he's hanging around top 25 heading into the weekend, he could do something, especially if that if that winning number stays low. And there's the difference I saw with what Walker between you between what you just said is we saw him on the back nine playing with Scotty Scheffler, right? Yep. And there was a, definitely a few people watching him then, you know, <laughs> gotten out there with Scheffler there in the afternoon. You know, we were watching him on 15, right? And he knocked it on the green to about 30 feet and then snaked it in. So yeah. made a birdie there. So <laughs> hopefully Jimmy's not uh, getting his birdies out of the way early here and he can get in the winner's circle for you because that would be a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, and I, I also just want to say, um, followed him for three uh, three holes on the front nine, and watching him on seven uh, come in, he he hits a nice fairway finder off the tee. His caddy throws a few balls down for him, and he just throws three darts at the flag. Bang, bang, bang. All basically within, uh, I don't want to call it kick-in range, but serious makeable range. Right. Um, and just... If that's where he is, you know, I didn't see a lot of that yesterday out out on the uh, out on the the course. Oddly enough, so you know, take that for what it's worth. You've got a betting value pick. Um, you seem a little salty about uh, where JT sits. Yeah, I, I was looking at the odds yesterday, and they have JT at thirty to one, and so I, I had nothing but to take that. You know, the defending PGA champion at thirty to one just kind of is just a little bit disrespectful in my mind. You know, you take it a look around the odds and, you know, like Rory McIlroy is like 15 or 16 to one. Uh, Rory, just with the way of form he's in, I, I don't I don't really know if he's going to play that well. You got a guy like Cameron Smith, who's like 35 to one, who hasn't who's played well, you know, relatively well on the live tour, but but OK at the Masters. You have a guy like Dustin Johnson. I think he's around 30 to one, too. So just looking at, you know, you take a guy like. Justin Thomas, who's a, a PGA championship winner twice in his career. And, you know, he hasn't played that well this season, but he can turn around on a dime. You know, taking a look at that 30 to one number, it just felt a little, like I said, disrespectful to me to Justin Thomas. So I had no choice but to take it. And uh, we'll see what happens with uh, the former uh, Alabama Crimson Tide player of this week here. And uh, I got I'll have a couple more pets for you guys. Some fun props, maybe some make them miss the cut. You know, kind of lines that I had at the Masters. Hopefully, turns out being a little better for me. Uh, give us a follow on our social channels. I'll release those today. Um, haven't had a chance to kind of cook those up yet. So this afternoon, I'll, I'll be doing that for sure. So I uh, take a look at our, our Twitter, Instagram, and um, TikTok accounts there. I'll, I should have them up this afternoon. Awesome. And yeah, it's that end. Uh, don't forget, we are giving away a Callaway Hyperlite Zero Golf Bag uh, yeah. at the end of this golf tournament. So follow us on TikTok, Instagram, or subscribe on the website or YouTube uh, to be entered. We'll draw the winner at the conclusion of this spectacular championship weekend. But that is going to do it for this edition of Out of Bounds. We'll be back tomorrow and Friday, giving you our first and second round thoughts on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, And if you see us out there at Oak Hill Country Club, say hello. Remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website. See you next time on Out of Bounds.